You're listening to the Navs Now podcast. Joining us for today's podcast is Dr. Justin Young. Justin is a governmental affairs specialist within the National Federation of the Blind. Joining us to talk all things Washington Seminar. With quickly approaching Washington Seminar, we're really excited to dive a little bit deeper into this topic. And then just get to learn a little bit more about the history, the influence, some of the impact of Washington Seminar. So we're here to sit down and chat with Justin. Justin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Excellent. So tell us a little bit of uh, your background and then how you um, gotten, how you stepped your uh, foot in the Federation, just briefly, just a quick introduction. Uh, sure. So my name is Justin Young. I'm originally from the Rochester, New York area. I was very involved in the, in the New York affiliate. I've been a member of the Federation since 2009. I've served in many leadership roles in the New York affiliate as president of the student division, the state treasurer at one point, and also the legislative director for that affiliate. I moved to Maryland because I got hired to work on the National Government Affairs team as a government affairs specialist in January of 2002. 22. Because of that, I moved to Baltimore in March of 22 to work here on the ground and actually help the organization as a whole uh, build on the great legislative priorities that we've been pushing for for the last many, many years. Excellent. Thank you, Justin. Yeah. So thank you again, Justin, for joining us. Can you share with our audience the origins of the Washington Seminar, for example, where it all began, and how has it evolved over the years as a platform for NFB members to engage with lawmakers and policymakers? Sure. So a brief overview, Washington Seminar is where all the members of the National Federation of Blind come together as a collective force on Capitol Hill in D.C. to talk about three specific legislative priorities, sometimes it's four, but normally it's three, targeted legislative priorities that need education to build up co-sponsor support or support from the leadership of the Senate or the House or other entities in Washington, D.C. The Federation has done a form of Washington Seminar since 1973. Back then it was called the March on Capitol Hill, I believe it was called. Or the, mar- or the March on Washington. And we did similar versions of what we do now back then, and it's evolved over the last 50 years to us being a recognized force in D.C. on legislative priorities that impact blind people across the country when we are on the Hill advocating for the issues that relate to blind people we're taken very seriously because we the members of congress whether it be themselves or their staffers they know that we are very professional and we know what we're talking about because this is lived experience of the issues that we're talking about that they impact us directly and we can speak to them specifically and that's what we've been building on for the last 50 plus years and i think we've gotten pretty good at it over the years Oh, absolutely. It's Washington Seminars is one of my favorite federation gathering to attend just because of the power of collective advocacy. So that background has been really helpful in terms of how we go about advocating for three legislative priorities. Justin, I'd love to hear 
about some of the key moments or impactful changes resulting from past Washington seminars as far back as you can remember, you know, things like societal view towards blindness when we have close to 600 of us blind people at the Capitol Hill. I mean, are there moments that stood out to you particularly? I would say it's very powerful when you are in the legislative office buildings and you see all of us at the exact same time in all 335 offices advocating for the three same legislative issues, showing that we are very targeted and we know what we're talking about and we are subject matter experts on blindness because it's our lived experiences. And I would say the mo one of the most powerful moments of Washington Seminar is when we all come together as a group, whether it be the training day or the towards the end of it, when we talk about what we call the, the wrap-up session, where we get together as a group and we hear what how the week has gone for the number of federations who've been on the Hill all week. Also, the or the congressional reception, which we usually have, where we get to interact with members of Congress or the staff directly in a more casual environment where they, they stop in and they say hello and they introduce themselves and we get to meet our members of Congress more one-on-one -on -one, as opposed to in the actual meeting, which may be, and they may not necessarily have all the time that they would like to meet with us because they have to run off to a vote or a committee meeting or what have you. So I think all the advantages of Washington Seminar is that we actually get the opportunity to make our voice heard on Capitol Hill. And that is that is probably one of the most powerful things that I've experienced in the number of years I've been doing Washington Seminar. Sure. Just that sort of a collective power, you would say. Are there certain pieces of legislation that stood out to you? I would say definitely the legislation that is phasing out the payment of subminimum wages for workers with disabilities. We've been working on that since 1942. That's probably one of the longest, if not the longest, advocacy efforts we've been working on as an organization. Other impactful pieces of legislation that we have been working on for a while now is also legislation related to website accessibility, also related to ensuring that we have non-visual access to medical devices so we can all live the lives that we want independently, safely, and securely. Voting comes to mind as well, which we've, we've worked on for a number of years as well, uh, where we can independently, privately vote for whoever we want to vote for. And over the years, I think that we've made good traction on those pieces of legislation because with Congress, it takes time to get stuff done, but we do get things done. Uh, one example would be the Marrakesh Treaty, which is related to ensuring that accessible books are more available around the world. I remember a few years ago, uh, we heard live at the Great Gathering Inn, which is the opening kickoff of the week, that the Marrakesh Treaty was ratified and signed into law at that moment. And that was very powerful because that's an issue that we've been working on for the last at that point, the last 10 years. Also, another piece of legislation would be related to ensuring that what we'd call quiet cars, which are vehicles that don't really make an audible sound when they're just sitting in the crosswalk, which blind people have gotten hit by these cars because we don't know that they're there as we're trying to cross the street. Well, we had a piece of legislation called 
the Pedestrian Safety Enhancement Act, which that took uh, 10 years or so from when the bill got passed to fully enactment. It was passed, I believe, in 2010 or 2011, and it was fully implemented in 2021 or 2022. So the Federation is very determined, and we, we're we here for the long haul, and I, I think that's uh, one of our many strengths. Absolutely. That is very powerful. Can you share this year's legislative priorities and initiatives that the NFB is focusing on? And how do these initiatives aim to impact the lives of blind individuals across the country? Sure. So the three legislative priorities that we're working on for this Washington seminar in 2024, it's the Website and Software Accessibility Applications Act, which is a bill related to ensuring that websites and mobile applications can be accessible to us as blind people. The issue there is that, unfortunately, many, many websites and applications are not accessible and we can't use them. This can be, think of like medical doctor's portals or to view your your medical records, or it could be apartment complex. Many of those use electronic portals to sign up to sign leases or apply for an apartment, stuff like that. And And they're not accessible to us as blind people, so we can't independently use these. We'd have to have sighted assistance to rely on to help us fill these out. So this piece of legislation would fix that. It would adopt a statutory definition of accessibility, which is a very strong, and it would also create a technical assistance center to help businesses understand what the definition is and how they comply with that. And then the next one, it's called the Medical Device Non-Visual Accessibility Act, which is related to medical devices such as glucose monitors, blood pressure machines, oximeters or in-home dialysis, chemo treatments, all stuff that is life impactful medical devices to help us deal our deal with our health needs. These products are not accessible as well. And this piece of legislation would ensure that uh, these the manufacturers would have would have to comply with new regulations once the bill has been fully implemented and passed to make sure that the medical devices can be used out of the box, such as like an iPhone or um, something like that, which you can just tap on a menu and turn on voiceover. That's kind of the basic short-term definition of what we're talking about with that bill. And the, the third one is related to the Social Security Disability Insurance Program. There's something called the earnings cliff, as we call it, and which this basically means that if someone that's receiving Social Security Disability Insurance or SSDI makes $1 over the earnings cliff, which the legal jargon is substantial gainful activity or SGA, if that of, of a blind person goes over that threshold by $1, which for 2024, it's $2,590. If they go over by $1, they're viewed as having too much income and they'll lose all their income for SSDI, all the benefits for SSDI. So our process for that is trying to streamline it and make it more aligned with S- with the Supplemental Security Income Program, which is, has a two-for-one phase-out. So for every uh, two hours you earn, you lose a dollar. So, and then we'd also do a, uh, make it more aligned with that program as well. So those are the three issues that we're advocating for this Washington seminar. And I would say to the part of your question, the impact on blind people, these are all related to accessibility and ensuring that we 
can be active members of our community, how we can use the internet on our own independently, securely, accessibly. Same thing with medical devices, uh, independently, securely, safely, effectively. And also to ensure that with the SSDI issue, to ensure that we can be as productive as we want to be, that we don't have to cut in hours to ensure that we can meet below the threshold to, uh, of income levels, which is stifling our productivity. And it's really, at this point, it's becoming a job de-incentive program as opposed to a job incentive program, which it probably originally was when it was first created back in the day. Mm -hmm. Let's turn our attention to student involvement. Justin, why should blind students be participating, really? What's so crucial about the future of blindness advocacy when we have students involved? I figured you might really enjoy this little topic here. <laughs> well, I would say that all these issues, uh, whether right now or eventually would impact would impact students as well. Students want a job. They want to make as much money as they can, just like anyone else. There, possibly students may, may need to use some medical device of some sort, either currently or later in life. And also with school, a lot of it is, if not all of it, is based nowadays is based upon a learning module, which is via the, the web. So whether you're talking Blackboard or Moodle or Canvas or whatever learning platform you're talk, uh, that's out there, that has accessibility issues that need to be resolved so that we, uh, students can be active in the classroom, outside the classroom, in their communities. And I, I think, you know, the student perspective is is something that we always enjoy and that students have always something they can bring to the table and add something, add a personal story of how these three legislative priorities that I just mentioned, how they may impact either currently or down the road, impact them directly. Absolutely. So could you provide examples of how student involvement in past seminars has made a tangible difference in shaping legislation or public perception? And how does their involvement contribute to the overall impact of the NFB's advocacy efforts? Well, I'll take the second part first. I would say the student involvement on advocacy efforts for the Federation, it's very impactful because, like I said a minute ago, students are people too. They're members of the Federation, and NABS has always been a driving force of everything that we do because NABS, National Association of Blind Students, is up-and-coming leaders, and the advocacy issues that are going to help us going forward. We appreciate the input of NABS. A good example of how NABS has helped or encouraged or impact the advocacy process for about a decade or so, we were pushing a piece of legislation that was related to accessibility guidelines for, high, for higher education institutions related to accessibility. It had a few different names. It was first called Teach, and then we went to Smart, and then we went to uh, aim high, which the bill was really related to ensuring that uh, instructional materials in higher education could be accessible. And the student division of the National Association of Blind Students really helped us advocate for that, build a lot of co-sponsors for the piece of legislation. And 
NABS is still helping us with the web with, with building co-sponsors. We would say that the website bill has superseded the AIM High legislation because websites and applications also incorporate a lot of education materials nowadays, whether it be electronic books or PDFs that are on learning modules or the learning systems platforms, which is the Blackboard, the Moodles, and all, all the like. And we would definitely say that students have, have they've been a, a very driving force of everything that we do, and we appreciate it. Absolutely. This is why you're on our Navs Now podcast, Justin. <laughs> so in well, closing... Pleasure to be with you. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So in closing, one of the things we'd like to do here in the Navs Now podcast is called Advice in 60 Seconds. So I'm going to give you 60 seconds on the clock here, and then you're going to answer this prompt. I'll let you take a second to think about it. What could members of the Federation and our allies could do to help push for these crucial legislative initiatives? Just think outreach, maybe calling members of Congress. What would your advice be maybe for folks? I mean, even going as far as folks who may be a little bit hesitant to attend Washington Seminar, a little bit intimidated by walking around Capitol Hill with other blind people. It's really broad. I, I would say to sort of give a nice little, little advice there in 60 seconds. All right. The 60 seconds starts now. So I would say that the first start is to get involved with your local chapter or your affiliate. If you've never been to a Washington seminar before, that's where it really starts. You can help build mentors at that level because many chapter members or or affiliate members that the individual is from had possibly been to a lot of Washington seminars before. Also, there's many ways to get involved by emailing or calling your member of Congress, whether it be your House member or your senator, and reading the fact sheets at nfb.org slash Washington dash seminar, which is where all our stuff for Washington summer is located. And if you are, if this is your first time. 10 seconds, Justin. You, if this is your first time going to DC or advocating on the Hill, don't be afraid. You may want to, there's teams, uh, we're in it together and everyone can help each other and don't be afraid. Thanks, Justin. You got that right. It's one minute and one seconds. Oh, go. perfect. <laughs> the NAVSNOW team really does do appreciate you, Justin, for hopping on today's show and talking all things Washington Seminar. I know I've shared with all the listeners earlier on, but I know this is one of my favorite Federation gatherings, largely because of, of a just a sheer collective movement that we have at the Capitol and, and demonstrating our collective action, and our three legislative priorities. Thank you, Justin. Now's Not Podcast is hosted by me, Seyun Choi. Co-hosted by Isabel Rosario. Produced by James Yassel and Seyun Choi. This podcast is brought to you by the National Association of Blind Students, a proud division of the National Federation of the Blind. Find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Mastodon as the National Association of Blind Students or on our website at navslink.org. Be sure to hit subscribe or follow us anywhere where you catch your podcast for new episodes and more releasing every month. Thanks for listening.